we're going to be wrapping up our series today, God, Where Are You? And towards the end of last year, research was done on algorithms within TikTok and Instagram. For every one pro-Israel video viewed on TikTok, 50 pro-Palestinian videos were viewed, which has been linked to hate crime. TikTok said that it mirrors society. However, there was an opinion poll done that doesn't support that reasoning. The Wall Street Journal conducted research and tested Instagram's algorithms for delivering risque footage of children to adult men. Quote, after observing that the thousands of followers of such young people's accounts often include large numbers of adult men and that many of the accounts who followed those children also had demonstrated interest in sex content related to both children and adults, end quote. Both are examples of how algorithms without proper attention can influence us with one-sided news or silently tempt us into sinful behavior with images. So the question we want to ask today as we sort of wrap up this series is, why does it matter who or what I listen to? Why does it matter who or what I listen to? As we've seen throughout our study, Habakkuk is living in a culture of corruption, political pride, religious confusion, and evil. It's difficult. There's a lot of negativity. And so he receives word from God that this is not going to get any better. In fact, God's going to discipline his people by sending the Babylonians in to conquer their people. In fact, it's going to get really bad as Jeremiah, who is a contemporary of Habakkuk, he writes and he predicts that it's going to be really difficult for husbands as they see their homes burned, their wives taken and given to other men, their children taken as slaves, and then they are killed. According to Jeremiah, the people are going to be in Babylon in this, this different land for about 70 years. And we find out that, yes, the Babylonians are defeated by the Persians. But two years before they come back and they return to the land, Habakkuk dies. Like It would be very easy for Habakkuk to fold and live out the rest of his life depressed and hopeless. and like He could have ended the book last week. But instead, he writes another chapter. Like This could be true for us today. If we constantly, even inadvertently, expose ourselves to negativity, fear, and despair, it can have a detrimental effect on our soul. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and it has a, a negative effect on our body as well. Like who and what we surround ourselves with matters. What we consume matters. From constant exposure to negative news, scandalous headlines, fear-inducing stories, reading opinions of what people think about you, whether on Facebook or, or on Reddit. When we expose ourselves to, to these things, it feeds our sin nature. It feeds your sin nature, it feeds my sin nature, and it allows for demonic oppression. Here's an example. When there's a scandalous headline, we are tempted to give it more attention than it really deserves. The media needs viewers, and the way to get viewers is with breaking news, breaking headlines, 
breaking reports, which at times are speculation. And it becomes like panic porn, where we become so obsessed with the topic they're writing about, they're delivering about. If it's about someone, our ego is tempted to spread the information along as it looks like we're helping the situation. But it leads to rumors and gossip, which hurts the person that is being talked about in a negative light with secondhand information. This crushes friendships, relationships, family, work cultures, work environments, and also the church. There is a battle for your mind. There's a battle for my mind. There's a battle for our mind. Imagine a huge library filled with countless books, each representing a thought, a belief, an idea. The library is vast. It's stretching as far as the eye can see. It holds the collective wisdom and knowledge of people throughout the centuries. In this library, there are two librarians. One represents truth. One represents deception. And their task is to influence the books in the minds of those who read, shaping their thoughts, shaping their beliefs. And the librarians suddenly guide visitors and individuals to different sections of the library. The librarian of truth encourages them to explore shelter with books of hope, love, compassion, and wisdom. And these books lead to a life of wisdom, fulfillment, and purpose. On the other hand, you have the librarian of deception subtly nudging people towards shelves filled with books of fear, doubt, anger, and despair. These books plant seeds of negativity and confusion, clouding the minds of those who read them. And the visitors to the library represent you and me. Right? We're people living in a world with God providing us truth and demonic forces eager to deceive us. Each day we encounter the influence of both and we make choices about which books we read. What we absorb determines the quality of our thoughts and our actions. See, Habakkuk could have finished his, his book last week, which is chapter 2, but he writes another chapter. And what's so interesting is it was very uncommon for a prophet to write what he was about to write. He actually gets out his guitar and he ends the book in a song. And even in the darkness of the prediction that the Babylonians were going to come and it was going to be even darker than they've ever seen, as they are conquered, men are killed, women are taken and given to new men, and children are made into slaves. Even in the culture, even in the corruption, Habakkuk was willing to fill his mind and soul with the promises of God, and it led to a song. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shagoinath. Now, the Hebrew word Shagoinath means to praise with strong passion. In so many words, Habakkuk wasn't suppressing any emotion and passion. Like This wasn't a promising situation for Habakkuk and the people. Yet he understood that he and the people had to resist the negativity, had to resist the hopelessness of the situation and exchange it with trust that God was going to do something on the, 
on the behalf of his people for their good. Like he knew that that was going to happen. He was trusting that that would happen. And whether you're a follower of Jesus or yet a follower of Jesus, the enemy is real. Satan, the devil, our adversary is real. He's a fallen angel looking to seek and devour you and I. He is hoping to deceive us, to confuse us. He wants us to get off focus and lead us into apathy. And we can explain and define apathy as the absence or suppression of passion. We may be in a trial. Maybe we're going through a very difficult circumstance. Maybe we're going through grief. We have all these things happening around us, and it's easy to give into it. But Habakkuk says, no, I'm willing, I'm willing, and I'm able to praise God for his faithfulness. And look, while we don't exactly know why Habakkuk got out his guitar, we don't know why he put his words to music, back then it was, it was a form of expression because it allowed for an emotional response. See, the content of what Habakkuk was writing, he was grappling with, he, he believed and trusted God, but he was confused on what and how God was going about it. So he was expressing complex emotions through song. Like, I don't know if you've ever listened to um, Amy Winehouse's music, but it was pretty raw. She was talking about and writing about what she was going through. See, putting his words to music may have allowed Habakkuk to convey the depth of his feeling and to explain where his faith was. See, putting words into music is something that we've seen people do, but it's also something for athletes to do. Have you ever um, watched the movie Gran Turismo, which is based on the true story of Jan Murdenborough? He's a gamer turned race, driver, uh, car, race car driver, and there is a couple scenes to ease his mind and to refocus. He listens to Kenny G's Songbird. Like, like, I know if some of you play sports, I know for me, I, I love listening to music. It kind of gets me engaged and ready to go, whether on the mat or back when I was a kid, uh, on the mat or on the football field. Now, being a Pittsburgh fan, I mean, I love that in the fourth quarter, and especially when you're in stadium and they play renegade to get the crowd going, to get the players going. To change the momentum. Music is a powerful thing. So not only was it for an emotional response, but also for, it was a tradition. Uh, the use of song and poetry was a common thing for ancient Near Eastern cultures, especially the Israelites. Many biblical books, including the Psalms. I mean, the Psalms is a collection of 150 like, like, like hymns broken down into different books. And then even sections of Isaiah are all songs. And then there's memorability and transmission. I mean, music has a way of aiding memorization and facilitating that message across generations. Like, think about this. Amazing grace, how sweet this sound that saved a wretch like me. Yeah, we, we knew it, right? We know it. See, by framing 
his message in a musical composition, Habakkuk may have intended for to be easily remembered and passed down to generation to generation. And then, of course, it was a form of worshiping and praising God. So he says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. There wasn't a lot of miracles happening in the southern kingdom during Habakkuk's lifetime. The northern kingdom um, experienced several miracles between Elijah and Elisha decades before Habakkuk. And Habakkuk is going to sing about what God has done in Israel's history. And although he doesn't get into specific miracles and specific events and specific prophets, he sings about God's power, God's faithfulness, and God's action on behalf of his people. It's very similar to the song that Moses sang right before his death in Deuteronomy 32. As he looks back on his life and he's looking into the promised land, but he's not able to get into the promised land. He dies before he gets in, but he's able to look back and thank God for his power, his faithfulness, for his patience with Moses and the people. See, Habakkuk is asking God to repeat the things that he's done for his people throughout the centuries. He desires God to show compassion while he executes discipline. And he wraps up his letter in a song that describes his faith and his assurance that God will do what he's planned and what he has promised. Think about your life right now. Think about your life as you live in America, you receive content on the daily, you have conversations, you deal with circumstances that were created by others or maybe created by you. Have you spent time looking back at what God has done in your life? What are you going through that may allow negativity and perhaps even sinful thoughts to keep you from reflecting on the qualities of God? Why is it so easy for us to self-diagnose ourselves a situation, or even other people? Why is prayer and worship typically the, the last thing we do? So Habakkuk ponders God's power, his faithfulness through verses 3 through 15, and then he ends his song this way. I heard, and my heart pounded. When's the last time your heart pounded? You felt the weight of something. You felt the tension of something. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. I mean, he was going through it. What he was anticipating happening it was going to be brutal. He says, yet I will patiently wait for the delay for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. I'm waiting for the Babylonians to pay. I'm waiting patiently because one day God told me that I would see that happen, that we would see that happen. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. He's talking about the economy has tanked. There's no food, there's no life, there's no potential. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior 
The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. And think of this, think of this for a second. Habakkuk, who saw Babylon overthrown, did not live to get back to the land. He died before that happened. So you and I, we may be waiting longer than Habakkuk had to wait. Think of this collectively for a second. We're in a similar situation as God's people, the church, as we wait for our King Jesus to return to provide physical peace, to make all things new. And this is one of the reasons why it's so important for us to attend and connect with others. There's something powerful when we sing and we learn about God's qualities together. And then there's person. I mean, think of it personally. He may be in a similar place as Habakkuk as you wait for God to deliver you from your circumstance of relational tension, things going down in your marriage, work, parenting, spiritual. And in the wait, you and I are making decisions on what our mind is being filled with, where our thoughts go, and the source of our information. And this is one of the reasons why it is so important for us to remain connected to others. And even in all this bleakness, Habakkuk strings together a lyric that refocuses the attention on God. He begins to praise and worship God for who he is. He's able to navigate the uncertainty because God, who is in control of all things, is his strength. Notice how he is physically weak, but spiritually strong. See, happiness is found in circumstances. Joy is found in a person. It's found in Jesus. We could sum up his song this way. God's faithfulness in our past prepares us to trust him in our future. God's faithfulness in our past prepares us to trust him in our future. It starts in your mind. It starts in my mind. Our mind is super important. In fact, Jesus adds mind to the greatest commandment. And you're like, you're not allowed to change scripture. Well, Jesus is God. He could do whatever he wants. Notice he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. See, this was what was given to Moses. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your strength. Jesus added mind because he was revealing to us the need to have very sharp minds filled with the knowledge of God God's qualities, his character, his, the, the understanding of the, of the biblical story, right? We are tempted not to take this seriously. Without even knowing it, we are sucked into headlines, clickbait, gossip, and one-sided news. And when you and I are tired, the defense system of our mind slowly goes down. We think, we say, we do things that hurt other people, hurts us. Brett McCracken writes, Too many churches do not encourage intellectual curiosity, vibrant debate, and healthy questioning. They offer simplistic and unsatisfying answers to huge questions, and in so doing, they foreclose a whole arena, the life of the mind, wherein God can be worshipped and holy wonder cultivated. The other end of the spectrum is a challenge as well. As important as apologetics, theological training, 
and rigorous rational defenses are for the faith, if our presentation of Christianity is entirely cerebral, it's missing something. The church in the 21st century must embrace the mystery and embodied elements of Christianity, the experience of God rather than just the concept, conception of him. This means worship in the church life will be messier, more emotional, more unpredictable than the rationalists would prefer, but it will be more powerful and I dare say more transformative. What he's saying is it's so important for us not just to understand God, but to know God. Like for some of you, like we've gotten a chance to meet and you know things about me. You know that I'm married. You know that I have a daughter. But if you started spending time with me, you would begin to see the love that I have for my grace. It's the same thing with God. We may know things about him. We know some information about him. But have you ever experienced him? Do you, have you experienced his character, his nature, his qualities? See, it all begins with us listening to things that will focus and fill our mind with God. Of course, prayer, right? We want to establish a consistent rhythm to communicate with God, sharing our thoughts, our concerns, our gratitude with him, allow time for listening and being receptive to his guidance. Like, yes, 100%. But then there are some things after that, like scripture, like regularly reading and meditating on the Bible. Scripture is a primary source of God's teachings, wisdom, and, and, and promises. And we value that so much here that if you have the Version Bible app, you can find our church. And we have a Bible reading plan that gets you through the Bible in a year. We also have, I mean, think about this, worship music is an important thing, music has a powerful way of connecting with the soul and directing our focus toward God. Having podcasts of sermons and teachings, I mean, Jesus-centered podcasts and messages can provide insight, guidance, and encouragement in your trust of God. And this is why we provide a Right Now Media for free. And then there's Christian literature, reading books by Christian authors that explore topics such as faith, spiritual growth, and living a life aligned with God's principles. This fellowship with other people, like we need to find our people. Engaging in conversations and discussions, sharing our experiences and supporting each other as we are committed to following Jesus. It provides accountability, belonging, and care. And then nature. Spending time in nature, reflecting on God, what he's done, what he's created. And whether it's a quiet walk in the woods or cutting the grass or sitting on the front porch on a rainstorm. Like all those things are good things that allows us to just reflect on who God is. And you may be thinking, man, that sounds like a lot. I don't know if this is helpful, but for me, again, this is maybe, I hope this is helpful. I'm able to spend time with God about 10% of my day goes to, to fill in my mind with this type of stuff. I spend about you know, 20 to 30 minutes reading, reading or listening to the Bible and praying. I spent another, you know, 15 to 20 minutes listening to music. I spent another, you know, 20 to, to, to 45 minutes listening to a podcast and um, reading. I'm trying to fill my mind. 
And before I know it, man, there's, there's three hours right there all scattered throughout the day. So I have a question. See, Habakkuk understood who God was. He knew who God was. He knew who he was trusting, who he was putting his faith in. Coming on this side of the cross, do you know who the Jesus is you are following? Is it someone that you just have information about, or is it someone that you've had an experience with? And then have you spent time looking back at what God has done in your life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're incredibly thankful for your faithfulness to us. We're thankful for your faithfulness to your people. And I just ask, Father, that we would know who you are, that we would fill our mind, we would fill our heart, our soul with truth. We would not fill it with deception and lies, but, Father, we would fill it with truth. I ask that you will help us to have the discipline to fill our mind with you. Father, I ask that you transform our lives with the knowledge that we have of you. Father, for those on the fence about even following Jesus, that they would recognize that Jesus was able to live a life that they couldn't live. You died the death they should have died, and you came back from the dead to exchange our spiritual death for spiritual life. And I ask that you would break them down to a point where they would receive that. Father, as we go into this week with whatever we're carrying, whatever we're going through, whatever we're struggling with or challenge that we're facing, I ask that you would remind us that we need to exchange all that negativity with truth. Father, thank you so much for providing us your grace and your mercy. It's new every morning. In Jesus' name, amen.